Hey, what's going on? It is the People's Show. Josh Elliott Wolf, Israel Fair, here with you today. Once again, no Bick Nazar. He is off for the week. Unless Horvat gets traded again, then I assume he'll he'll join us for another good 5-10 minute hit. Uh, you can text in 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text line. Dunbar Lumber, three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street. Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Izzy, how's it going? Good, man. What are we talking about today? I don't know. I was thinking maybe uh, maybe All-Star Game. No. A lot of questions in the text box, actually, <laughs> about the All-Star Game. Yeah, that Some was... Specific questions, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, about... Bo Horvat. So we're, thank you. We're about 24 hours away or out from the move. Uh, we were on air when it broke yesterday. So we were a little, uh, I wouldn't say scattered, but didn't have time to dig into like what the trade actually is, what the Canucks are getting. Uh, and also we hadn't heard from Bo Horvat or uh, Patrick Alvin at that point. Uh, 24 hours out, how how are you feeling about the move? I, I like it. Uh, I think given the circumstance of a guy going to UFA, offer has been made, it's not up to his standard, and that's well within Bo Horvat's right not to sign the the offer the Canucks made. That you, you have to, you obviously have to move that player, and given the package that they got back, I think pretty interesting, and uh, I'll point out because uh, I think it's it, it can be useful to look at it from a, a broader context. We're obviously dealing with Beauvillier, Ratu, and the and the pick specifically to the Canucks, but I, I uh, saw a piece today on the Athletic uh, looking at uh, what the Horvat trade might mean for a Timo Meyer trade, and. Uh, the writer ran through a number of different versions of that trade for Meyer using the Canucks Islanders trade as a framework. And it's a lot of like you look at that version of the trade and if that's what is being seen as an equivalent value for a player like Meyer, who's a little bit younger, who probably has a little bit higher ceiling than Horvat as being something similar to what the Canucks were able to get. I think you have to be pretty happy with that. Yeah. And, the more I think about it, the less, like, I can't even convince myself to find a huge problem with it. Like, I think the only thing I could point at and been like, well, maybe you could have done a little bit more is because you're retaining salary. Maybe you could have gotten, like, a mid-round pick to do that. But even then, it's like, you are getting a team's best prospect, and then you are also getting, like, the the big thing to me is just the pick. Because we, I've been going through, we've been going through what the standings are right now, where the Islanders are. I just can't see them this season getting, even with a Horvat trade, getting considerably better. And right now they're picking 13th. I can't see them getting any higher, like that pick going any higher than 17th, I would say. Yeah, it seems like teens. Uh, at the very least, in a draft that is considered to be deep, is the option. And then there's maybe somewhat of a pipe dream scenario. But the the, the dream scenario for the Canucks is that the Islanders uh, retain the pick, are really bad next year, and then it ends up being uh, even higher pick than that. But I think like the the most basic scenario of that pick being, let's say, 14 or 16, 
is is a pretty good result. Mm-hmm. That's better, and that's the the big thing for me is like when you when the Canucks were making this trade, they had to hit a home run, and I don't think any trade they made with another team as far as prospects go, like no team I think was ever going to give them that can't miss prospect along with other pieces other than like a guy like Beauvillier where you need to balance the salary. Mm -hmm. Whereas with this trade, you have the opportunity to have much more upside than you would have with like, let's say for, for example, the Bruins deal was something along the lines of Brandon Carlo, Fabian Lysel on a first. Fabian Lysel, I think, is a good player, but probably equivalent to Ratu. Yep. And the first is just, it's not going to be anywhere near where the Islanders would be this year or next year. Right. Yeah. And if that's the, the main piece or the, the, the one that at least extends the window for what this trade could be, then it's it's no contest. The the Islanders one is the right one. I do want to address this text here, but uh, the issue is uh, Kevin Weeks reporting earlier today that a team uh, that a team you know, mentioned to him the Canucks didn't want to cause a bidding war. Well, the first thing that came to mind when I saw that tweet from Weeks this morning was uh, we're dealing with the New York Islanders here, a team that if you look at uh, the draft and they were linked kind of out of nowhere to making a JT Miller move. And then that trade fell apart for reasons that were never completely specified, but reports were they weren't exactly thrilled about the, the constructs of that trade being put out there or that they weren't able to negotiate a contract with JT Miller, which was, you know, according to what we heard, like you said, we were on the air when the trade broke and we heard from Bo Horvat saying, he you know doesn't know about an extension. Lou Lamorello said that he's going to start talking to Bo Horvat's agent about that immediately. So it's not like it was a ready-made. They were willing to make the trade without it. But like, I think the Canucks felt like this was about as good of an offer as they were going to get. And let's say go to Boston and make that similar offer. Is it worth trying to squeeze another asset out of, out of Boston and lose what they would consider to be at least a, a really solid trade for Bo Horvat. And the the reaction in the fan base and outside of the league or outside of Vancouver has been relatively split. But I think from what I've seen in trade grade type articles is that the Canucks have been seen as anywhere between a C plus and a B. Mm-hmm. And some some and that I think does a, uh, depends a lot on what they think of Ratu. If they there there's there's some polarization there as well. But if you think Hey, this is a pretty solid offer. This is the solid trade. You got to let's let's go with the optimist there. You've got to be trade for your captain. It's a tough situation to begin with. That to me looks like you, you've come away pretty well. And the other part of it is like you made the trade as well, which is a win in itself. Like just making sure that you aren't committing to the same team for another young number of years. Uh, we do get a text as well, just because you get one of a team's best prospect doesn't mean it's a good prospect. I will say, like, I just can't see... Like, I, I agree, Ratu's probably like a B, B-plus prospect based on some of the smarter prospect people around the league reacting to the trade. But I just don't... I don't see how they would have gotten more upside from any other team when you factor in the pick as well. And that's why it's like, yes, you're you're not getting a can't-miss prospect in Ratu, but you're getting a guy with a high ceiling and also the potential for that pick to go really far. Uh, we do want to open up the phone boards as well, 604-280-0650. Uh, feel free to call in if you have any takes about the trade. 
And uh, other reports today and yesterday as well, if you have any thoughts about what the Canucks should do with Thatcher Demko or, uh, to a lesser extent, Luke Shen. What what should the Canucks do before the trade deadline following this trade? Um, I do want to get into Demko a little bit, but I think we'll we'll touch on that a bit later. Uh, for now, this, this one from Ken. Now that the Canucks potentially have two first-round picks, what are your thoughts on packaging them up with extras and maybe even pieces from future trade dumps for a first overall? I don't <laughs> think it's going to happen, Ken. I'm sorry. I'd love to see it. Yeah. Uh, get Brian Burke on the phone. <laughs> it would be great, but as a, I'm usually the producer of Canucks Central, by the way. Uh, mailbag Friday with Dan and Sat every Friday, obviously. We've gotten a lot of questions about this, and... The the basis the basic response is like no team is gonna get first overall and trade it unless they're getting something super incredible. And I don't even think the Canucks, if they if they packaged everything they could, other than let's say like Pedersen and a, uh, that's that's where I was going. Yeah, like Pedersen and multiple first round yeah, picks. Yeah, Pedersen and be. the two for like say they that pick from the Islanders is this year two first round picks. Or I mean, even if it, if you were to if it was going to be the twenty twenty four pick, then um, maybe whichever team gets the number one pick would like that even better. But yeah, like mm-hmm. the the two most recent first round picks and Pedersen for this player because we know the value of players on ELCs. Uh, that's not to say that Connor Bedard is guaranteed to be better than Elias Pettersson, but he's going to be younger. He he could be. Uh, the the hype is is pretty strong right now. Yeah, and, and the other part of it is like in this hypothetical world, I think you really only pursue that if you know, well, a that whoever gets first overall is going to accept it, and b you know that Pettersson isn't going to re-sign in Vancouver. But regardless, like it's. It's an incredibly long shot that probably uh, will not happen. Uh, another text, 650-650. We need to move Demko. He is going through it mentally, and we need to cash him in now. Um, we talked about a bit about this yesterday, about the potential of moving Demko, uh, and we can get into it a bit more, but it's it'll be interesting because we talked about this. I just don't know what the market is for a goalie. It, it, the the trade return for a goalie is always so hard to to figure out. And when you look at the UFAs that are available this offseason, Tristan Jari, Semyon Varlamov, who's a bit older but still might have some juice left, uh, Mackenzie Blackwood, like there's a few guys that teams could look at and think, hey, that's, that's a guy that could be a number one. Let's just try him instead of paying a, a price for Demko. So I think all that plays into it as well. And I also just think it's really hard to trade a goalie in season. Yeah, that's that's the complicating factor. Could a team? I guess that's why I keep going to LA. They have uh, they're they're in the mix in the playoffs. They don't have the surefire answer in goal. And could they see themselves being a team that gets that? You know, there's a few years of runway left with Demko. The contract isn't crazy. They have some assets to make it work. I'm sure they'd like to see him play before then. But yeah, overall, like you're you're really you're really limited to the number of teams that are in that position that are trying to establish themselves as bona fide contenders and don't have a goalie already. There's there's a reason that it makes sense to explore. And as of right now, that is uh, 
so earlier today, Elliot Friedman was on with uh, Jeff Merrick on the Jeff Merrick show, and he mentioned the possibility of the Canucks maybe moving Thatcher Demko. Um, the teams he brought up were L.A., Pittsburgh, Buffalo, and then I think Jeff threw out uh, Columbus as well as teams that could be a fit. Um, so, yeah, L.A. seems like the, the most logical place, especially when you start to consider who the Canucks have or what the Canucks will be searching for in a trade. L.A. has a lot of right D prospects. Um, so that would be a good fit for both teams. Uh, this one from Sam. Trade Thatcher Demko? Why? If you trade Demko, you might as well trade Pedersen and Hughes. Uh, so I assume that's in relation to whatever the Canucks competitive window is. I do think you can trade Demko and accelerate like trading Demko, I think does admit that, Hey, you're probably not expecting to be competitive next year either, but I don't think it uh, rules you out from being competitive two, three years from now when Patterson and Hughes are still going to be around. Right. I think the difficulty there, and it's, it's what we have normally seen in the NHL with, goalies is that if you're moving off an established player you have the goalie of the future so Jacob Markstrom walks in free agency why because Thatcher Demko has shown that he's probably ready for the opportunity and then we see that uh especially last season he he's up he's up to the task and the Canucks don't have that goalie that's ready to play right now so I understand the fans having at least a raised eyebrow about it but I think with the Canucks and you're playing this game Thatcher Demko's four years older than Quinn Hughes. So it's not like they're right next to each other in terms of, of age. He's he's obviously been very good, uh, especially last season. And there's going to be a market for that. And then you try to put yourself in a position where because of the contract that he's on, you take advantage of that value right now. And then if you are in a position a couple of years from now to look for a Thatcher Demko type goalie that might be on the market, that you take advantage of that. Like that's, that's I think where the Canucks are probably headed. It doesn't even have to be a player making that much money. If, if the team is okay, look at what Carolina has been able to do. Uh, Toronto too. Yeah. Toronto is, is a, a perfect example where they get two goalies, one of them on a decent contract in Murray. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, they take a chance on those guys because they, and, and two guys that obviously Murray at the high end, very established in the NF in the NHL. Samsonov, a guy who had started for Washington a fair bit before going there. So it's not like they're giving these chances to complete unknowns to players who have never played in the NHL before. But their reliance on their system. We spent so much time in the past talking about Ian Clark that you would have to imagine that some of that thought process could be at play here. And if you're just analyzing it from a salary cap perspective, it, it makes sense. Yeah, for sure. The Ian Clark part of it is also uh, also plays a big part. Like you're confident that you're gonna be able to coach up a guy to at least be a competent starter in your system. Uh, let's go to the phone lines six zero four two eight zero zero six fifty. Mike in Victoria, what do you got? Well, I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be a little bit of a dreamer here, but I'm gonna say what Bo Horvat saying he's a lifetime Canuck actually happens he does not sign in new york he says f you new york we just got some of your best stuff and now i'm going back to vancouver and we're going hey thanks for the call mike uh as fun as that would be i would like i it would be fun but very unlikely like how often do you see 
Especially, maybe if he left on better terms. Oh, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's like though though I guess one of the famous examples is Ryan Smith when he was traded from Edmonton, and it was like, oh, he's obviously going to resign. Yeah, and that was he was so emotional leaving. We heard Bo Horvat, and yes, he said though he made those comments that he was hoping that he'd spend his career in Vancouver, and that's that, that's what he'd always thought. It wasn't a particularly emotional media availability. He wasn't breaking down i think he's looking at it like the islanders would like to have me as part of their long-term future we're probably going to figure out an extension i don't think there's any 40 chess going on here either if there was i would have to give them <laughs> incredible amounts of credit yeah, and i'm not but, expecting that to be the case yeah that would uh it would be amazing to see but i it would also it, it just doesn't make a lot of sense from horvat's side uh this text if you trade Demko, good luck signing Pedersen next year. That's Graham and Surrey. I, I think the biggest part about signing Pedersen is just having having a plan, articulating it well to him, and executing. And you might not execute exactly as you plan, but you can get to a point where Pedersen at least sees what you're trying to do and is comfortable with what you're doing. And that's the biggest part. I think if you trade Demko, like you might go into negotiations with Pedersen and he might have concerns. Yeah, he, he probably has a question. Yeah, about he's that. probably like, hey, where'd all those guys go? But also, as long as you're winning those trades and trying to get to a point where you can be Stanley Cup caliber competitive, I don't think he's going to have an issue with it. Yeah, Pedersen's future in Vancouver is not going to hinge on one player. So this is even the Kuzmenko contract last week well oh they they had to sign him to keep Pedersen happy I don't think I think Pedersen likes playing with them uh they've certainly had they a nice well they have they've had yeah. a nice run but I don't he's not making this seven or eight year decision based on one player but yeah w- would it make sense for him to wonder and and even ask the question what's the what's the future in net if, if Thatcher Demko is not there what's the plan it's also not really his department his department is to sign a big contract and continue to produce offensively. But I'm sure if you're looking at it from a bigger picture, hey, are we going to be competitive here? Uh, having the goalie situation figured out is a big one. But if the Canucks make them a big, fair offer um, to to be the, the lead offensive player on this team, which is pretty much what he's been for, for the last little while anyway, that that's going to supersede any sort of individual questions about you know, Thatcher, Demko, I'm... If Thatcher Demko plays anything like he did last year, I'm sure Elias Patterson would love to be on a team with him, but that's not going to dictate his future. Yeah, if you put $80 million in front of a player and you're like, hey, we'll figure it out, he, he might be convinced. Uh, let's go back to the phone lines. Andrew and Sanich, what do you got? Hey, guys. Sanich 10, actually. Uh, <laughs> really quickly on Demko. I was, I was wanting on, on Horvat originally. On Demko, I think and I hope... Canucks management is going to be shrewd about that situation and trade uh, trade when he has a, a high value. You know, he comes back and plays decent this year. Move him on and maybe recoup some of that much-valued uh, salary cap space in signing a, you know, a $3.5 million goalie to replace him instead of his 5 or 5.5 mil. Um, that's my take on Demko. On, on the Horvat trade, I don't think anybody's talking about probably the one of the best things about that trade. Very simply put, the Canucks kind of stunk with Horvat. They're going to stink 
more without him. And I do wonder how many points less they're going to accumulate between now and the end of the season. And doing it now versus trade deadline, that's an extra month of, or sorry, X, X number more games where they're they're going to be worse. You know, they're not going to have Horvat. So for sure. Hey, I'll hang up and listen. And uh, thank you very much for your show. I appreciate it. Thanks for the call, Andrew. Yeah. So as far as Horvat goes, um, the I I've seen some people com- like still having concerns and complaints about if the Canucks are tanking or not, and I get that because. Look, the way they entered the season was definitely not a tank. It was very clearly, hey, we want to be competitive this year. Might not be Stanley Cup caliber competitive, but we want to take steps. And I don't think that they expected, they obviously didn't expect the season to go like this. So you couldn't plan for something like this happening, but I do think Canucks management, since around a month into the season, all the moves they made have kind of clearly indicated that they're punting on this season at least, and they are beginning a tank for this year. And you can fault them for not being, not having the foresight to do it in the summer, maybe, and moving on from Miller as well, and I get that. But once they entered the season with who they had on the roster, this is probably the best they could have done as far as trying to tank more. Because you do have to, you couldn't have traded guys earlier in the year if you're waiting for the prices to be met as well. Mm-hmm. And look, there's players that if you were really trying to make those moves, we've heard it. We haven't heard any names attached to those players, but we can imagine that it's Tyler Myers probably first and foremost on that list. And then to some degree, Connor Garland and Brock Besser of big salaries or bigger salaries trying to move those players. And uh, because we know what Myers is at this point. He's been basically the same player since uh, even before Vancouver, but even with the Canucks, he's been a very similar kind of player that is a a legitimate NHLer. Taking him out of that blue line would make it worse, but long-term, it's probably the right thing. And they just haven't had really the opportunities to do that. And for sure, Josh, like they've set themselves up here to be not as good for for the yeah. rest of the season. They've done everything they could. That's 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 the start of it and I know people have probably had questions about the Kuzmenko contract in mm-hmm. relation to that and oh could you have gotten another first round pick there? Well, they're not they're not going studs down, which I know is the cause for at least some portions of the fan base uh to be concerned. They don't really believe in the half measures, but the, the, to trade a captain uh, is is I wouldn't call a, a half measure, regardless of what you think of Bo Horvat as a player. Yeah, it's a big change to culture, and like he has, he's scored a lot of goals goals this year. He's been a good player for the team this year. So yeah, losing him, especially a month out for the dead from the deadline, that does give you X number of games to where he potentially doesn't make a difference in the way he he could have if he was still with the team. We'll talk more about this. Uh, We'll also hear from Atu Ratu and Anthony Beauvillier. They spoke to the media earlier today, later in the show as well. Yannick Hansen going to join us at 2 o'clock and at 3.30. Andrew Gross from New York. We'll talk about it from the Islanders' point of view. All that and more coming up on the other side. This is The People's Show with Josh Elliott Wolf and Israel Fair on Sportsnet 650.
Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Vancouver sports fans. Halford and Bruff in the morning. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to The People Show. It is Josh Elliott Wolf, Israel Fair, coming to you live from the Kintech studio. And in the in the break, we got some breaking news regarding... Breaking news. Breaking news. Get pumped for the Denver Broncos. It is Sean Payton as their next head coach. Yeah, let's ride. Get on your horse. Let's ride. Let's ride. Uh, Sean Payton going to the Denver Broncos to be their next head coach. According to Adam Schefter, uh, Denver will trade a 2023 first-round pick and a 2024 second-rounder to the Saints for Sean Payton and a 2024 third-rounder. Also, uh, former 49ers defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans is now the head coach of the Houston Texans. So... Two big coaching moves in the NFL happened in the last 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, I mean, at least Ryan uh, is, uh, he, he's <laughs> hes used to not having a quarterback, as we saw from the, the 49ers <laughs> yeah. this weekend. And look, the Sean Payton thing's going to be a big deal, uh, especially because you hear a lot about Russell Wilson comparing himself to Drew Brees and the kind of offense that he'd like to run. It flies in the face of everything that we've seen from Russell Wilson and what he probably should be doing as a quarterback. But Sean Payton's as big of a name as like a realistic name on the market and he's i guess this is the second phase of his his career uh, left new orleans after a long time there the super bowl there for for this opportunity with uh russell wilson and the broncos and it's it, it can't get much worse than it did last year right so th- there's at least there's at least that kind of window uh I, I it's hard to imagine the broncos being any worse what it means long term i'm still i'm still a bit skeptical for for what their future looks like with Russell Wilson as their quarterback. He really has to has to do some magic to get the old Russ back. Uh, by the way, maybe those two teams play in the Super Bowl at some point. Oh, wait, no. They can't. Maybe they play in a championship game. My bad. Anyway, this is for the read that I'm about to do. This was supposed to be a segue. It didn't go well. Now I'm explaining <laughs> it. It's going worse. Anyway, Sportsnet 650 presents the Clayton Public House Big Football Party. Sportsnet 650 has teamed up with the Clayton Public House to bring you the big football party on Super Sunday, February 12th, hosted by Randeep Janda. You can reserve your table now at theclaytonpub.com. They will have tailgate and drink specials, plus prizing throughout the day. Kickoff will be at 3.30 between a team from Kansas City and Philadelphia. Uh, We do have a $50 gift card, and two reserved seats for the big game to give away right now. Caller 5 will get a $50 gift card and two reserved seats at the Clayton Public House. Call now. Caller 5 gets the package. The Clayton Public House. Good food, good people, good times. 604-280-0650 is the number to call. Uh, So that is your NFL update for the day. We do want to get to uh, some audio from earlier today. Atu Ratu and Anthony Beauvillier, uh, they were speaking to media this morning uh, following the trade. 
By the way, just some some news. It looks like Atu Ratu will wear number 16 in Abbotsford. Obviously, can't wear that in Vancouver, but he'll probably wear that number with the Abbotsford Canucks and uh, Bo Horvat wearing number 14 with the New York Islanders because Lou Lamorello does not like big numbers, apparently. Uh, but let's hear from Beauvillier and Ratu as they spoke to media earlier today. Hi, Anthony. Uh, welcome to Vancouver. Um, first of all, uh, you know, what was your reaction yesterday at hearing that uh, you were playing for a new team? Yeah, definitely a crazy couple of hours here. Um, but yeah, I was definitely excited to, to hear that I was uh, part of Vancouver. And um, yeah, def- like I said, definitely uh, some mixed emotions here. Tough to leave the uh, the Islanders, but at the same time, very, very excited to join this, uh, this Canucks team. And and just looking at sort of how your time in the NHL has gone, how would you how would you say your sort of progress has been? Yeah, I feel like I've uh, you know had some good uh, years to start and kind of slowed down the last uh, two seasons. But um, I feel like my uh, my numbers doesn't really they don't really speak for the way I've been playing this year. Just I've had a lot of opportunities and just didn't really could find the back of the net. I would say, but. Um, uh, very excited to find my game uh, again in Vancouver and very excited to join this uh, this group, like I said. We'll go next to Ian McIntyre, Sportsnet. Good morning, guys. Uh, thank you for, for joining us. Uh, Anthony, you've, you've been in the league a few years and you've had uh, a couple of uh, good, really good runs, uh, playoff runs with, with the Islanders. Here you are now suddenly on a new team. You've got one year left on your contract. In some ways, do you feel like you have to prove yourself again or or, or find another level now? Uh, well, I, as a player, you always want to find another level, and I feel like can, um, I can do that in Vancouver. And uh, it's it's very exciting for me. It's not uh, – to, it's yeah, I would say it's kind of to prove – um, to prove myself again or to prove it to myself, uh, I would say. I'm, but um, like I said – Mostly, I'm very excited to join this team and uh, excited to play hockey and have fun uh, in Vancouver. And um, yeah, it's 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 exciting time for me and uh, this point in my career for sure. And uh, one question for Atu: uh, It's been quite a whirlwind year, you know, coming coming to North America, playing in the minors, playing in the NHL, and now now you're going to be playing on a second NHL team. What what has this year been like for you? What are your emotions like right now? Yeah, um, at the top, I mean, I'm I'm really excited right now to to join a new team. Obviously, obviously tough tough living living New York. That's the thing that drafted me and then kind of gave me my first opportunity. But I guess that's that's how the business goes. But I mean, yeah, a lot of happening this year. Playing playing for for Bridgeport first, and then then New York, and and having the World Juniors at the start of the year. But um, yeah, it's really excited to join join Canucks. Chris Faber, Canucks Army. Thanks, sir. Thanks for doing this. I'll start with Atu. Uh, Atu, you've played one game at Rogers Arena and you scored a goal. So how excited are you to play more games at Rogers Arena down the road? Yeah, really excited. I, I did really like the rink and, and, and the stuff there and they, they had some good fans. And it was a really good game. I um, was, was really happy to play there and, and, and score. So hopefully I can I can keep that up. Uh, and Patrick Alvin, to follow up with you, too, he, he talked about you heading down to play with the Abbotsford Canucks. There's some young players down there like 
Danila Klimovich, Niels Huglander, Vasily Podkolzin. Uh, you've had some time now in the HL to kind of see what it's like, and now you're going to get an opportunity to be with some other young guys. Like, is that a spot that you're pretty excited to grow with those guys in? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, really good, really good, talented players over there, and Huglander uh, and then Podkolzin. I remember playing against those guys in the, in the national team, so they're really, really talented guys, and uh, yeah, really happy to go there. We'll go next to Andrew Gross, Newsday in New York. Hey, uh, hey, guys. Uh, first of all, uh, Bo, I, I see on the schedule, I mean, you're starting with the Canucks over here on the East Coast, right? What, what, what do you think that's going to be like walking into UBS Arena? Well, uh, yeah, definitely will be some different, you know, uh, getting dressed in a visitor's locker room. But uh, it's something I'll... Uh, I haven't wrapped my head around it yet, but I'm um, trying to focus on Jersey first, but it'll definitely be uh, a weird feeling uh, playing on the other side of the ice. Yeah. And, and on to, I know, I mean, for both of you, Lou talked about how hard this trade was to make. And I'm just wondering like if either one of you could kind of share anything Lou, you know, said to you when, when he did inform you about the trade. Yeah. Um, oh, Go ahead, Rats. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a tough trade to make, but that's 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 the basis. And, and yeah, so, so thanks thanks for the time here, and, and uh, good luck to to Vancouver. Uh, next up, we'll go to Ethan Spears, New York Post. Uh, hey guys, thanks for doing this. Um, oh, just just wondering, you know, if maybe just what what some of your you know best memories of, of playing with the Islanders were. You know, now that you're kind of the, thinking back on it a little bit um i would say you know like those you always remember when you you have success i would say probably those two playoff runs we had and um i might be not, not one of the few to say that but i feel like uh the bubble experience for us was really really um we really enjoyed the bubble and obviously had success there um probably one of the highlights uh, as an Islander and obviously that game six against Tampa Bay uh, was really cool too. And yeah, just, you know, been through much, uh, been through a lot with, with these guys, especially in the playoffs. That's the, that's what you remember um, the most. Um, So yeah, that'll probably be my highlights for sure. And then just to follow, you know, Matt, uh, Matt had, a, had a post on Instagram this morning where just kind of, I guess, shouting you out. And I'm wondering if, if you saw that and, you know, if, if you've spoken to him at all and, you know, what's that what's that like to kind of, I guess, it, you know, see something like that from, from your former teammate now? Yeah, I, I haven't really looked at social media uh, much uh, lately, so I haven't seen the post or whatever it was yet. But, uh, yeah, definitely those, those texts and the people messaging you and stuff, old teammates. And uh, it's, it's never easy. You know, it's very emotional and uh, it's, it's sad to leave these guys. And, uh, but at the same time, very excited on the other end. So um, don't want to beat yourself up too much, but uh, cause there's something exciting ahead, but uh, it's definitely, it definitely sucks uh, saying goodbye to everyone. Next up is Stefan Rosner, NYI hockey now. Hey, Anthony, uh, you know, thanks for everything and um, good luck in Vancouver. I just want to ask you to follow up on that with, with Barzal. Is obviously, you guys were pretty close growing up, got drafted together. What was it like playing in the NHL with one of your better friends? Uh, it was awesome. I mean, um, 
not only him, but a lot of guys are going to stay. One of my best friends or uh, really good friends for forever. And uh, it was definitely cool uh, going through a lot, with, a lot with him and, you know, just uh, him texting me that I can probably take his, his, his uh, old bedroom. In Vancouver is pretty funny, but um, yeah, you know, it's, it's been a hell of a ride with him and uh, it's going to stay one of my best friends forever. And for Atsu, obviously you talked about the Islanders drafting you. What did it mean for you for when you're seeing, you know, teams pass up, pass up for the Islanders to take you there and take a chance on you? Yeah, that was that was, that was great. I mean, yeah, I did, did have the greatest draft draft experience before that. Kind of, I was I was uh, traveling to to the the tournament with the national team, and then kind of no internet on the bus, and just kind of waiting waiting to get my name called, and then nothing. But then then. Gladly, the next day they yeah, crafted me and then got the opportunity to sign with them and, and then play in the NHL and make my dream come true. So that was definitely, definitely a big thing in my career. We'll jump back to some of our media in Vancouver. We'll start with Tommy Poivinen, Il Pasanamat. Uh, hi, guys. This is for Artu Moro um, in English for sure. Um, I will just people always said that first rate is the most difficult. Um, where were you yesterday when you heard about it? And just could you go through your emotions at the time? Thank you. Yeah, um, I was in um, first time actually going going to uh, downtown New York. I had a couple of days off here, so um, yeah, went went with uh, two two of my best best friends here in uh, here in uh, kind of Bridgeport, and uh, we went to uh, went to a spa, and I actually didn't did not have my phone on me, so I had so many texts and calls that I missed from from. Kind of, kind of everywhere. But uh, luckily, luckily, my girlfriend checked the phone and uh, her phone. She was in the spot too, and yeah, she has has some had some text about what are you gonna do in Vancouver. And I was like, wait, what? And then yeah, got to. All right, we went to get my phone from the from the locker and, and kind of saw saw what happened. And uh, yeah, I was definitely shocked. But but uh, again, after that, really really excited for the future. Thank you. Thanks, Tommy. We'll go next to Patrick Johnson again, Post Media. Anthony, um, just sort of looking at how you know your NHL career has gone. You weren't playing a ton, then you were playing playing more. Uh, what, what do you think your best role is? You know, what, what have you found the most success as an NHLer? Oh, I feel like um, I'm at my best when I play uh, with instincts and you know um, someone that works. Uh, I try to work hard every day and have a good work ethic. And uh, I find that I'm at my best when I move my feet and um, I hound the puck and uh, just play on instinct. I feel like that's that's how I've had success my whole uh, my whole life, especially in the NHL. So that's uh, I would say that's uh, that's how I've had success. And then Otto, obviously playing in you know a dozen games, you've had a sense of what the NHL is like. Um, you know, what, what is the biggest sort of thing you need to improve on, you think, to become a successful NHLer? Yeah, I think for me, I um, obviously want to work on my all around game. I think it's, it's, it's good, but it definitely, it definitely has to be better in, in order to be a, be a winning player. But I, yeah, I think the biggest thing is my skating. I, I think it's improved this year, but I still really wanted to get better. I think such a fast league that, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta be able to move your feet. And um, yeah, that's, that's what I'm, what I'm working on. Next up, Ian McIntyre, Sportsnet, once again. Just a, a couple of questions for you, please, Anthony. Uh, I don't know how how long your discussion was yesterday with with Patrick Alvin, but uh, he has talked since he took over the Canucks about culture, 
and setting standards on the ice, setting standards in practice. Do you think uh, that that's in your wheelhouse? Do you think you can help them in that way? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like uh, I have a good work ethic. You know, I'm happy to be at the rink every day and um, enjoy myself every day as well. So, um, yeah, I can definitely be that, um, you know, uh, I've heard a lot of good things about this group as well. So, uh, but I, I just want to, you know, be myself and uh, uh, want to help the best I can. And if uh, that's one thing, um, you know, just being positive and working hard every day is easy to do. So, um, definitely want to do that. If that helps the team, well, uh, that's, that's good on, it's good on me. That's good for the team as well. And I, I know you're used to attention, uh, having spent your career to this point in New York, but, uh, Elaine Vigneault once said that, that playing for the Canucks was like playing for the Yankees, except there's none of the other pro sports teams in New York. There's just the Yankees. That's what the Canucks are like. I don't know how much you've heard or, or, seen about playing in the market here but what do you think that experience will be like playing uh under this kind of scrutiny and and pressure well it's definitely a huge opportunity for me and it's definitely exciting when you hear those things and you know the city the passion they have of their team and it's always hard uh as a visiting team playing in vancouver you know the, the rings always uh fans are there it's it's loud in there and um it definitely makes a difference during the game, but I'm super excited to join uh, the Canucks and being uh, discovered the city of Vancouver. Honestly, I've heard so many good things about the organization and the city as well. So couldn't be more happy. We have just a couple more hands raised at the moment. We'll go to Gemma Carson Smith, Canadian Press. Hi there. Uh, I jumped on late, so my apologies if this has already been asked. Anthony, I'm wondering if you can uh, talk to us about uh, what it's like to be coming into a team that's obviously going through uh, a period of renewal, new coach, um, no, just saying goodbye to their captain. What's it like to be coming into a team where things are kind of uh, starting fresh? Um, was it a question for me? I sorry, kind of cut out. Yes, sorry, that was for okay. you, Anthony. Okay. Um, yes. Well, honestly, I think it's, uh, timing is perfect. You know, uh, uh, having a new coach and, uh, new coaches and stuff, I feel like it can, um, start, uh, start a new page. I feel like for, for everyone, everyone's excited. I feel like from, from what I heard, um, in the locker room and, you know, having the chance to uh, start from scratch with everyone, um, it's exciting. I feel like, uh, you know, everyone wants to do good and everyone wants to play good for, uh, you know, for, for the coach, for the new coaches and, you know, the staff with the, the changes they make. So it's it's definitely exciting. I feel like it's a good timing as well. And one for you, Atu. First of all, could you pronounce your name for us? And second of all, what how are you feeling about uh, Patrick Alvin said yesterday that you'll be going to Abbotsford. How do you feel about starting out down there? Yeah, so... Uh... How I say it, it's it's Atu Retu, but it's uh, when you when you're speaking with um, kind of a American accent, it's it's hard to switch on. So I, I doesn't matter how how you guys say it, I, I'll be I'll be fine either way. But um, yeah, really excited to get to Abbotsford. I think they're playing in um, Friday, Saturday in um, in San Jose. So I think I think that's that's where I'll I'll meet the team. And uh, yeah, really really excited to to kind of play there. New new teams for me. I've kind of in the in the American League. I've only played the played the ones that are kind of in the in the division that that Bridgeport was in. So, yeah, really excited. All right, and we have just one final follow up here from Chris Faber, Canucks Army. 
Uh, just one more for Atu. I think I wanted to ask about your final year in Liga. You, you made a huge jump in points uh, from what you did in your draft year to what you did the year after. I'm sure that opportunity was probably a big part of that, but I'm also guessing that you made some improvements to your own game. Like, What were some of the things in your game that you think you got a lot better in in that final year of Liga play? Yeah, yeah, a lot to do with opportunity, I feel like. I mean, switching switching teams, playing playing for Karabat, Karabat this week and then playing for Yukurit the next. I mean, there's you don't really get get any boost in your attributes and in that short of a time. So it's a lot a lot to do with chance and and, and kind of with the uh, with the confidence. I feel like going to a new team, playing playing power play, penalty kill, playing going jumping from ten minutes a game to almost twenty minutes a game. So it's a huge difference. But I think during the season, I feel like. You know, you know, playing every opportunity in the game. I felt like I got better at my penalty killing. I got better on power play. It's just like getting more skill, being in those tight situations, playing six on five or five on six or whatever. I think that's that was the biggest thing. And I feel like just working harder over there, and then kind of being being a young guy. I feel like you get stronger, stronger and faster every day. So that kind of stuff. That was new Vancouver Canucks Atu Ratu and Anthony Beauvillier. Uh, we've gotten a couple texts about this, by the way. It is it is Ratu. Feel like we got to point that out again. Yep. It is Atu Ratu. He is he has said that's how he wants to wants it pronounced. It's how it's going to be. Yep, pretty standard. Uh, remember the early days of Elias Pettersson and or Peterson. Peterson? Yeah, and yeah, all the all the variations. Yeah. Uh, th- there's uh, yeah that that's that's the pronouncing of his name. I know it was pronounced uh, differently uh, yesterday, as people aren't necessarily super familiar with him we all got to figure it out but we're learning yeah we're in this together there's a reason why uh all the hosts on the station are are going (laughs) with ratu even though it doesn't look like it should be pronounced that way yes uh we'll go to the text line for a bit here we got yannick hansen coming up on the other side uh get his take on the horvat trade and what's next for the canucks uh but we got this one what exactly did the canucks get in the trade did they get cap relief? Did they get a demand that we really needed? Did they get a shot at the first overall pick? I don't think so. Uh, so the first part of that, did they get cap relief? Not necessarily, but I don't think they were ever going to get cap relief because teams are so, especially the teams that would be interested in Horvat, would not be able to take him on at his full value right now. And in in the long run, though, you probably get cap relief from not signing Bo Horvat, and that that's kind of the biggest part, and that's why they had to move him. Yeah, it's it's now flat cap flexibility, I, I suppose, um, because if even with the Bovilia contract on the books next year, if he's if Bo Horvat's going to sign for eight plus million with the Islanders, then you know that's at least three four that that you're that you've got room to play with, not just for next season, but over the course of of the next seven or eight. Uh, that's that's where this team's at. It's 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 not an ideal place to be where you are that concerned about every one of those dollars and you have contracts on the books that aren't value, but that that is where that's where they reside. And that's I mean I guess part of the reason the JT Miller contracts is going to be a topic of conversation for as long as he's not performing at a high level. And the longer that goes on, the more that's going to be criticized for now. Like that, that's, that's a contract that they've just signed. That contract hasn't even technically started yet. It's, yeah. It kicks in next year. And that's, that's, th- those are going to be the conversations that, that we're going to be having. Uh, and I, I think, yeah, ultimately you have to look at the value that they got back 
in a trade straight up for an expiring player, an expiring asset. And they've, they've been able to at least push that forward with, with some forward momentum. And uh, just quickly, the other parts of that, did they get a demand they needed? They did need centers. Ratu can play center. Uh, it's still to be seen if he ends up playing center at the NHL level, but they theoretically got a guy that does fit a need. Uh, and did they get a shot at first overall pick? No team was going to give them an, a better shot than they already have at first overall. If anything, trading Horvat gives them a better shot at first overall. This With their year. own pick. Yeah, exactly. So it, it makes your team worse, and that's kind of the goal for this season. Uh, Yannick Hansen is going to join us next. This is The People Show. Josh Elliott Wolf, Israel Fair, Sportsnet 650.